What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the FN Story. I'm joined alongside one of the greats, Bizzle. How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. Thanks. Of course, of course. Thanks for uh, reaching back out. I'm excited to have this conversation. You're one of the OGs in the space, so uh, recently retired. Would love to just kind of dive into that real quick. Like, what made you consider retirement, and then what made you ultimately pull the trigger to say I- I'm done, at least for now? Because Fortnite, who knows? Um, it's something that has been in my mind for a long time. But it's something that I've never been able to pull a trigger on and be like, all right, now is the time. Like a lot of my friends have quit. Like all my OG friends have quit over the past years. So it's been a long time coming. And I don't know what the actual trigger was. I think for me personally, it was not being able to find people I wanted to play with anymore. Um, I think that's the biggest issue. I just wasn't able to find a teammate that I really wanted to play with and thought sticking together was a good idea and really putting in the time and work and gaining chemistry with someone to still perform nowadays. I was, I also wasn't putting the time myself as much anymore. I knew that going into tournaments and stuff, like I knew what I used to do and I knew what I was doing now. So I don't know what the exact point was where I was like, all right, now's the time, but I gave it my last season, tried it, went terrible, and I think it was a good time to call it personally. Makes sense. So it's kind of like chopping down a tree. There's like, keep taking hacks at it, and eventually it just fell, and you're like, yeah. right, it, it's time to hang it up. Yeah. It definitely had stuff to do with like the meta and the map and everything. The last two FNCSs I played contested, or the last one I played, are like, I don't know. I <laughs> well, miss. I still play, but I miss it. But yeah. I think it was the right call. So not like full time. You kind of just play for fun. Maybe go play a little creative, jump in a tournament with a buddy or something. But yeah, like from like here and there, I'll warm up super hard, like I used to do for comp, and just do like edit courses and like warm up maps, and I'll just get off. I'll just like stay <laughs> refreshed a little bit, just so I know how to play, and then just completely get off and go back to something else. But I, I can't help that. it. Um, you said something interesting that so how old are you? You're one of the like the older players in the space. Yeah, I'm 25. Okay. So not old by any stretch, but old in Fortnite. Um oh, yeah. do you think that kind of played a factor in you not being able to find teammates? Because I would imagine like you're not much younger than I am, and I wouldn't want to play with children all the time, so you're tr- trying to find someone that you enjoy playing with, and it also is good enough at the game, but it seems like all these new cracked players are like 15, 16 years old, and there's all the the things that come with playing a fi- with a 15, 16 year old and having yeah. to listen to them all the time. Is that exactly. like, is that what happened? Why you couldn't find a teammate? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the reason I couldn't find a teammate, but it's some it's a problem that I've had before. Like I've played with Diego Plays and I'm 10 years older than him. So it's and he's not the only person. Like he was the youngest I've played with, but there have been people who are all, like considerably is like pretty much the same age, like clicks and who are both young players too. There are some other people too. Uh like Dubs and Mega also. Um but I don't know. I think it's just Fortnite. I think Fortnite is just still 
to this day constantly evolving and that just benefits the younger players that's literally all it is now do you think that it's because like time or effort because i I always go through this whole conversation of like why is it i think someone it was kxxr put out or kxrr something like that um put out a stat the oldest player going to globals is 21 years old and i just find it so hard to believe that this is the only game that can't have players extend past their like mid to late 20s because you look at other games like there's players that are in their late 20s 30 years old but ultimately it seems like Fortnite, you know you hit 21 your career is over and it's weird to say that but also, I think it's more coincidence than it is like reality. And the kids that are younger just have more time. They have less to do in life. They have less understanding of things outside. So they're more willing to put in the time. So I think it's like coincidence versus like causation. But I would be interested to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think I think like the OGs have played the game too long and can't put the time in they used to that's i think that's one part of it um i do think fortnite is original in that aspect of the gameplay to where it does benefit the younger audience and it does benefit the younger players because of how demanding it is with like your hands and reaction time i know i've like I've, another reason i also retire is my hand like i have it's like like incredible hand pain just from pressing the same buttons with my thumb over five years of playing the game, spamming them as much as I can. So there's a lot of cases of like carpal tunnel and hand pain in Fortnite because of how many binds you're actually pressing. Like if you hear a Fortnite player free building compared to any other game, it's insane how many inputs Fortnite players are using compared to anything else. So... It's just, there's so many things that make it the way it is, but it's just, it's Fortnite. It's different than anything else. And that's crazy. The youngest player is 21 going to land. I didn't think, I didn't think it would be that. Yeah. You got to figure like mid twenties, there, there had to be one, but it was 21, 22, something like that. It's not an old person by any stretch of the means. Yeah. Um, and I find it crazy. Like you look at. I'm a big Super Smash Brothers Melee fan, and like Mango and HBox are both like 30 years old performing. Not at the same level they used to, but they're still pretty good players when it comes down to performing in tournaments, and they haven't seemed to drop off. They've been playing for a long time, but also very different game because that's within the confines of like a stage. There's only they literally have it down to like frames. So you understand like perfect frames and Fortnite just never will be that way based on playing online, the amount of frames you're playing in the amount of scenarios is just not the same. So what, what you're yeah. saying makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And as far as like, what's next for you, like you said, you've been playing a little bit, but obviously you just warming up, cranking uh, edit course. Isn't going to take 24 hours of the day. What it, what are you up to nowadays? So right now, um, I just got a puppy who's nine weeks old. So I've had her for about a week now. So full-time father now, just me. Um, pretty busy with her, but if it's not that, then I'm probably playing Counter-Strike right now. That's my game. 
Um, I went back to it like right after I stopped playing Fortnite, and there's been a lot of hype with CS2 and everything. So I've been playing. I'm not playing competitive yet, so I don't know if it's something I'm going to transition to eventually. Right now, I'm just trying to enjoy myself and just play games. Um, not really sticking to anything. I haven't streamed anything yet. That is going to be my plan. I know I want to stream whichever game I do decide I want to start maining. Um, I'm still figuring that out. You know, I'm playing. I was. I had my little phase of Valorant, trying to see if I can play that. Couldn't hate that game. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm back to Counter Strike, and I've been doing it ever since. And just playing some Rocket League and Fortnite, and just chilling. I haven't been putting in crazy long hours like I used to. I've been taking like playing a couple games, taking breaks, and just taking a foot off the gas. From what I have been doing almost the past six years. Yeah, well, you had so much so much success early in your life. You kind of have earned just being able to chill for a little bit. Um, yeah. Also, Counter Strike Two came out yesterday, so I appreciate you taking the time to not play that. If uh, you've been trying to play some Counter Strike and jump on mm -hmm. in chat, so thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as like plans, do you do you plan to? play competitively anymore because you're saying that you're just trying to chill but someone that has had so much success and played at such a high level before do you find it hard just to chill and play video games and not try and play competitively and win every single time yeah well no matter what i'm playing i'm still playing competitive technically like i'm still playing like face it lobbies so i've just been grinding that recently so i'm playing against better players of the game i'm just playing matchmaking i'm not playing pubs like i i can't do that personally <laughs> like no matter what game it is i'm playing ranked and no matter what game it is i want to win and i i get upset if i lose i can't help that no matter what but i don't consider it competitive for me if i'm not because i know how much time i need to put in in order for something to be competitive and if i want to perform in that one thing i know what i need to do in order to perform in that certain thing so whether that's view practice, all the extra things that like differentiate a competitive player and a pro player. Like one day I know I will. Right now I'm still not ready for it, but one day. Fair enough. I, I yeah. find it um pretty common among people that are really good and competitive at things to not be able to do things just like recreationally anymore. And it's it's a little step like even myself i always love to play video games competitively obviously not at the same level as you but i find it hard just to like have fun playing video games unless i'm trying to beat another person and it makes it very difficult to play just like rpgs or casual run-throughs of games um and some of my buddies get mad at me because they're like i want to try this out i'm like nah if i can't beat somebody i, I don't want to play it it's the same way. Yeah, I'm, I don't even play those types of games. I only play first-person shooters, pretty much. But literally the same thing. I'm so competitive, <laughs> and that's never going to change. Yeah, the only thing... I didn't even finish Elden Ring, but like I played it, and that was a challenge. So because that game's so difficult, like scratch that itch a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, still couldn't even get myself to finally get through the entire game because it's just like I, <laughs> i've been playing a, a moba predecessor for a while now which is kind of fun but mm -hmm. 
Uh, that's not really a competitive. It's still in early access. Um, but sorry, I digress. For <laughs> for you, now you would have been what eighteen, nineteen when Fortnite first came out, and you were like nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were one of the best players early on, and mm-hmm. for me, I kind of hate this whole. There are certain players that you could throw in the GOAT conversation, but there's also, like, the best player at the time that they played in. And I think, inarguably, you hit that peak and were the best player at a certain period within the game. And it's awesome to see players kind of reach that. You know, Bizzle the Lanimal was a thing, and people just expected you. Not... not thought you would win but expected you to win when it came to like solos events and especially at land they're like all right this guy's different i don't know what's happening um walk me through like what happened during those times like why do you think you were so successful why was the lanimal created where you're able to be successful at lands because most players have a ton of pressure and it seemed like you're one of the few that stepped up when the pressure was on so I would love to know more about like your experience at LAN. You've probably played at the most of arguably anybody in the space, I would imagine. Um, probably. So yeah, like what what's your favorite LAN? Why were you so good at them? And you know, talk me through the, the <sighs> old days. All right, I'll start with why do I think I was better than people back then, especially. Um, I just think I was a better player at the game early on, especially when all those lands were going on. I truly think I did think I was like the best player, especially lands with Demo. Also, I was really confident playing with Demo, and we also, me and him, did very well on all of the lands we played in. Pretty much, I don't think we ever placed outside top like eight. Um, I think our worst land was like WSOE, and I think we got like sixth or something. Just flying around, we were trolling. We were just flying around in planes the whole time. Um. I think me, Demo, all of our friend group, like Zayton Saf also did very good in early skirmish days. Like we just, we worked together somewhat. And like, obviously we weren't working together, like Vada viewing and everything. We were always our own teams and whatever. But when you we have a common goal is like your friends at the time, it really helps you want to be better and perform. And back then, I think all of us had that. And I think that's the reason why all of us are doing very well in lands. Um, it also comes into play, like, the game style I had. Um, I think the game plan I had was a lot better for land compared to, like, open qualifier tournaments, which we didn't really, we didn't really have back then, but it's still a better idea. Um, so it was kind of emphasizing not fighting. And that's kind of what I did at every single land I played up to, like, DreamHack Anaheim, which was, like, my last good land. And I got second there. It was just not fighting. Everyone, that's where everyone counted me out too. The last land, Dreamac, Anaheim. Um, like everyone thought I was gonna do terrible. And I should have won that tournament, but luck <laughs> like unluckily Savage had a crazy last game and I couldn't do anything else. But props to him, he earned that win. He just played crazy that last game. Um but lands also like nervousness. Like I never really got nervous except my first. Like my first one, I was really nervous when I first started. But after I showed myself how good I could be, 
like the first day it helped me out the last day and that first pax west tournament i did very well but only because they added an extra game so there's also a side of luck to it <laughs> there's a br so there's always going to be a lot of rng and luck so you got to throw some of it that way but it's also the bigger part is a strategy knowing not to fight and knowing how you can be as consistent as possible and prepping for a tournament where you know the people you're playing against do you think everyone was doing that back in the day or you were special in the way that you no. approached the game? I, I'm pretty sure I was doing a lot more than what other people were doing. I think it was kind of an early mind for the game because I think most people were trying to like VOD review and learn how to put more time into the game other than just playing. But I don't think people had a good eye for it or even working with coaches wasn't even a thing back then. No one would really do that. So it was kind of just if you couldn't figure it out, or if you didn't have a third eye for why you're not winning games, then you weren't going to improve. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, now it's huge. Everyone or all of the top teams pretty much work with a coach. Is that something? Yeah. I, I saw you tweet out, you know, you might want to get into coaching. Is that something you seriously want to pursue? Or that was just a thought you threw on Twitter at the time? I think it was just a thought. I don't know if it's something I could really do because being a coach, you have to do, you do have to put a lot of time into the game and a lot of, you have to watch the people you're coaching a lot. And I don't, I don't know if I would do that unless it was for someone that like asked me to, and I was close with. Um, so if it was like a personal favor, then something I might do, but yeah, I'm not really too sure about it. Most, I just want to ask you, what do you think about the coaching situation in Fortnite? Do you have any opinions towards it? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of coaches. I think there's people that do it the right way, and there's people that don't. Um, I think that a lot of Fortnite players, because they're part of the younger generation, are constantly looking for young or like instant gratification. And if you don't have success within a season, you tend not to continue to work with a coach. But I think there's a few special coaches like Chocoladin, Blood X, Fen. Um, captor to some extent, I, I think they are pushing the players to be better because of what you said, that like third set of eyes looking at something that gives you a different perspective. And it also cuts out a lot of the nonsense that goes on between uh, two people where it's like, you both think you're right. And sometimes you just need somebody to come in and tell you that neither of you are right. Here's actually what happened. Um, hmm. And not only do I think that coaches are huge, but I think the mindset of bringing in a coach is even more valuable than the coach is in like theory, right? There's certain coaches that extend that. But if you're a player willing to work with a coach, you are willing to invest more money, more time into yourself, into your gameplay, into your duo than other people are. So therefore, like it just shows that effort and that effort goes a long way. Plus, whatever the coach actually brings is going to be huge if they know what they're doing. So, uh, yeah, big fan of coaches. I think that's why we've seen Fortnite players continually push those boundaries. I mean, it's no question. I talked to Queasy last week. He was like, dude, uh, we worked with Blood X when we absolutely dominated finals. Part of the reason we did was because of how much preparation we put in and the game plan that we executed on that he was able to help us create. So that that's what I think. Um, yeah. Are you, you ever work with a coach? Yeah, I've worked with a couple. Um, I've worked with 
Sven, I've worked with Tezzy. Um, I have done the thing that you said where it's like I've worked with them for one season and I've parted ways with them with a bad season, so it's definitely not a great thing. But um, yeah, I think that's the biggest benefit to coaching is what you said also, just to say that. Um, you know, really building up a game plan before a tournament, having an extra person that can like bring two people together and focus them on one point is huge. And I think it's like pretty much almost a requirement nowadays compared to old school, which was just, there were just no coaches. But I also do think there needs to be monitoring in tournaments, especially for major lands. Um, and online tournaments. I think there needs to be some sort of monitoring for online tournaments. Um, maybe not cash cups, but I think online FNCSs, I think it's pretty much cheating having a live coach in your call. And that's across the board for any eSport. You're not allowed to talk with your coach during rounds or anything. Um, in between games, of course you can. That should be no problem. But I think online coaching has to be monitored and I can't believe no one talks about it. It really surprises me. Well, it's, I, it's, been, it's been a thing. It, it's so many things in Fortnite. Like, with bad things, people just don't talk about it. And I don't know why. With that one specifically? Well, actually, I think with a lot of things. What are we going to do? Like, how are you going to monitor that? How are you going to stop someone? Because what we've seen is people get caught stream sniping. Then they stop streaming events or stop posting VODs or get better at editing the VODs out. And then we have have no proof of it ever happening um, because you could go watch the VODs, but it's very hard to be like, yeah, this is why that team made that move without proof. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just unenforceable, essentially, is why there's not really conversations about it. Your generation love to talk about how people would stream snipe during tournaments. Well, it's. I don't think you understand how common it is, <laughs> and like I know firsthand. I can't say names, but like it's it's so bad. It's such a bad thing. It's so like there's nothing they can do about it. But um, there is something they can do about coaches. So what Apex does is, for LGS, they're all in a Discord call, even if it's online. Every single player has to be in a Discord call. Every single coach has to be in a Discord call. Every single call has an Apex staff monitoring them to make sure the coach isn't talking during the game. It's really not that hard, um, especially for bigger tournaments. That's why I said cash cups. That's a little much. But for one, for like FNCS, one time a week for four weeks, that's nothing. And to like fix that issue, I think is a complete like miss. I think they need to be doing that. I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I think that would also help a lot of nonsense that happens during tournaments like we still see people all just chilling in discord calls together like exactly, you your yeah. duo another duo just like oh i died i'm gonna jump in a discord call with this other team playing the same exact tournament and watch them finish the game like that is again that's another thing that has just like we'll ignore that it, it's regular now which is really strange to me because competitive like integrity wise that just doesn't seem right that's almost like during the middle of a football game like you get tackled then you go behind you stand next to the other coach on the opposite sideline you're like all right i'm just gonna chill here for a little bit till the offense goes back out and listen to everything you guys do yeah and, yeah it, it's strange <laughs> there, there's definitely a, a lot of 
things that that could be changed although with the the land coming up i know last like fncs invitational the players were not allowed to speak to coaches during the games so they could only if they walked off stage so like i think they had a break between game three and four they could go speak to their coach and this is from sven he had to work off of a laptop so like whatever he could pull from a laptop and then tell the guys which probably wasn't super helpful so there's not at lands it's much more enforceable but i'm also not opposed to that idea of throwing people in discord calls um or a whole thing with the stream sniping like enforce x amount of delay if you're going to stream a tournament um because if everyone has to do it then there's nobody gaining that like viewer advantage by not because we've seen so many people just not put a delay on their tournament and then everyone flocks to that because it's the most up-to-date thing but then also you're taking the hit with everyone having information on you so i don't yeah there's there's things that could be done yeah i think i think that's like like stream sniping is just the player's fault at this point because there's no way to stop it everybody knows that and if you're not using a delay, it's your own fault, honestly. That's literally the bottom line, I think. <laughs> I don't think there's no there's gonna be no way to fix it. There's no way to have proof on someone. Even if there is, they're not gonna do anything. I don't think. I don't think they do. So if you're streaming a tournament, you need to stream with the delay. That's all it is. Or you're risking it and it's gonna be your fault. Um, you haven't played with somebody that streams in a while, right? I'm trying to think. Uh I play with Blake. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But he, did he stream with a delay? No, no. Is that was that a point of contention? It would be. It would be. It happens all the time. It's ridiculous, especially if you're getting contested off spawn. Like if you're, you know, pretend a new map comes out and you're contesting a POI, and one team's streaming, one team isn't. One team's gonna get stream sniped. Like it's going to happen, and there's nothing they can do. That's just how it is. It's been like that since day one, and that's how it's gonna keep going. Yeah, unfortunate. Hopefully, we we get or we progress to more lands, so it makes it less valuable. Like mm-hmm. even if you do it, it's just in cash cups, which have seemed to dwindle in their importance, especially with yeah. being a whole different. You don't have siphon anymore. So, um, yeah, that's you get a whopping seventy six dollars for a win, like <laughs> stuff like that. It's funny. Um, all right, uh, let's go back to to back in the day. Um, you qualified for World Cup, and arguably one of the greatest competitive Fortnite videos of all time is then you streaming yourself qualifying to the final round of a World Cup qualifier without using any weapons. Why the heck did you decide to do that? And like, how are how? Why do you think it worked? Like, there's probably very few, if any, other players that could have been able to do that, but you were able to. And I would love to know why you did it and how you made it work. Um. So luckily, I qualified week one, so it kind of took all the stress out, like the rest of the four solo weeks. So I know I didn't really have to try or do them, which I didn't. The bad part was I didn't really realize how much money was on the weeks. Like there is a lot of money for every World Cup qualifying week, um, and I kind of didn't even know at the time. 
Um, but qualified week one and then week two, I was like, all right, I'm going to stream because I have, there's no reason for me to try. I'm going to stream and have a good time and try to just have fun with it. Um, I didn't have any plan to do the no gun challenge. Not at all. Until I landed in my first game. And I think it was either just a random thought in my head or a random chat message. I think it was me. I would just randomly said, because I think I found a turret off spawn right away. I was like, let me try to qualify without guns. Because I was also landing on ballers too. Um, but it was just crazy. It was so fun and everyone loved watching it. It was hilarious. Um, it's something that I thought could have been done because ballers, there was dynamite, stink grenades, impulses, um, turrets, traps. There were still so many things that can kill you that weren't guns. So I knew it was still possible. And as long as I had my ma like max mats and just try to live with the ball, that's all I was trying to really do. Honestly, I was trying to just practice staying alive in a ball as long as I can because that's what the comp meta was at the time. If you can get your ball as late as you can, you're going to have a really good end game. So it was a really good practice for that, honestly. And then, uh, yeah, it just worked out. I think I won like three games out of the, the games I played. Qualified pretty much all of placement points. Got a couple kills. Had a lot of fun. Had a killer stream. Funny YouTube video. It was a good time. Do you think it, it did help you ultimately when it came down to the finals to be able to practice? No. Because I didn't play ballers in finals. Yeah, Why not? it didn't help me at all. Um, I was hesitant about leaving my solo spot. So at the time, I was landing Dusty Divot, and I had been for a long time. And I think everybody really knew that was kind of my spot. So I didn't want to give it up. Um, and also the bowler rotation that I was going to do, I had a couple paths where, like, it was kind of like at the time was like north of the volcano, um, like that big baller spot. So I was nervous because there was going to be at least a couple people there. So I was nervous to which loot path I was going to do and if I was going to have some shambles games fighting people. I didn't want to do that. I want to stay consistent and play off spawn. And uh, unlucky, I was contested off spawn the entire tournament. So it didn't go too well for me, but it's all good. Yeah, what was that like? Your first ever, well, I guess not first ever, but being able to participate in the World Cup, a, a massive event like that. Um, and I think you were one of like the top five betting odd favorites going yeah. into the event. So did you know that you were a favorite going into that event? And like, what was the event like in general? Yeah, I think I knew I was a favorite. I think me and Tifu were the favorites of that yeah. land. Um but that land was unlike anything else I've ever experienced. It felt like every single player in there was a full-blown celebrity, and it was crazy. Like, I've been to every single, pretty much every single Fortnite land. There has not been a crowd more interactive and wanting to meet players than at World Cup. It was insane. Um, so, like, my family's from New York, so I went to go visit them up in, like, the general seating and stuff. Because we, us players, like, in the side, where they, everybody couldn't come in, obviously. And I went up to visit them, and I think I got swarmed for like an hour or two, taking pictures and signing autographs with people, just trying to see my family. Everybody knew who I was. Everybody wanted to see me. And it was absolutely unreal. And no other land has 
replicated that even close like nowhere even close it was unreal the atmosphere there it was so cool but what the servers were ass servers were terrible <laughs> um we were locked on native for some reason which is something no one ever talks about but it's it it grinds my gears so much because secret skirmish the land right before world cup which is a, which was a test run for world cup that's why they hosted it we had stretch dress in the game they coded it into the game they made it perfect and then world cup they locked us on native which blew my mind and the servers felt like we were playing on west servers it felt like we were playing like 60 70 ping it was bad yeah i remember um because um, they they mentioned that like what was it week eight or week nine or like right after qualifiers or like everyone will be playing on native for uh, yeah. world cup and everyone freaked out because no one that competed played on native um which is just really funny that that's, i think that's uh, why booga won yeah because he played on native he was a native player he also he, had, I think he did play stretch but he played native still a little bit even before it was enforced he also had the uh the south cone strat which was apparently a thing where if you were south facing north, you just always got the cone on top of somebody's box, which didn't yeah. come out until like a year and a half, two years after he had done it for mm. so long. And you just look, Booga had like always landed at southern spots. And I wonder if he knew that. I would love to talk to him one day and like, well, there was coincidence he landed down south or like he knew this thing from very early on. No, there's no way. He landed there because of that. There's no way. Um, he got his heavy sniper luck, though. He got his crazy heavy sniper luck during that tournament. And I, I, I've seen all the games like he played, and it really pisses me off. Like <laughs> I, I love, I love Kyle. I love Booga. Like he's a good friend. I've, I've played with him. Like I was teammates with him for a long time. Good friends. But watching someone else play and get like. Like he got lucky. Like cer at certain times in that tournament, he got lucky, and there's no doubt about it. With certain luck, with like loot drops or heavy sniper shots, like even finding heavy snipers really was really uncommon, and it was like a game winning change. Like it's it was meta, so like it's crazy if you found it. He had it so many times. There were so many games where he was down to like 300 mats, and just found something insane that saved his game. But um. That's Fortnite. That's what happens. It just it hurts me to see because like I know my point of view, but he played amazing and he did good. Yeah, you had a tougher go around being I did spawn, so a little different. Um, FYI, that guy got pretty much last place landing on me. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you still remember who it is? Oh yeah. I don't want to leak him. I don't want to give him any any clout. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> Fucking, uh, I hate that guy. I was literally so mad after that tournament. I'll go and watch the VODs after and figure this out. He literally only played that tournament to grief me. He literally didn't do anything. Yeah, I think he got like two points, literally. <laughs> oh. I don't think he placed I don't I think he placed inside like top seventy or top eighty. It was ridiculous. Oof. Hey, that's a that's a top fifty K right there. Yeah. Um 
which is wild because it's like 50k for first place in NA East now for FNCS. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's only last place in World Cup. Yeah, uh, the days. No one the knew days. how good it was, man. Nobody that- knew. Like even Pax West had a twenty-five thousand dollar win bonus if you won a game. Like it was just crazy. Now, I guess we have the biggest tournament we've ever had since World Cup now with uh, yeah. Globals. Have you mm-hmm. been paying attention to any of the teams or the format or anything like that? Uh, Yeah, I don't. Um, Like format, you mean like island and caches and stuff? Uh, yeah, just like general gameplay, the upper, lower bracket, the one day finals. No, I don't know how. That... I would love for you. If you... Can you explain how the bracket works? Because I really don't know. Yeah, so 50 teams qualified through FNCS, and then 25 other teams qualified through Last Chance. Yeah. Um, So the 50 teams play on day one, and day one, the top 25 teams advance to Sunday, which is the finals. Then the 25 teams from Last Chance fill in those 25, and then again, the next top 25 teams advance in uh, to finals the next day which then we have a six-day single final format, which is strange because, like, we haven't Terrible. had that in a really long time. That's um, awful. So, uh, yeah, how do you feel about the general format? That's absolutely terrible. I think that's absolutely terrible. I can't believe that. I literally can't believe that. Why not? Just, like... All right, so... You're going to take the top 50 teams that all got a guaranteed qualification spot to finals, make them play against each other, cut half of them out, and make half of them play for it again. What is that? (laughs) I think, if anything, you need to have 40 online qualifiers that guarantee their spot. They're playing in finals no matter what. Then you can invite 50 last chance duos and let the top 10 of them play in the finals. There is no way you're going to make top or bottom 25 people from guaranteed qualification spots play again and risk their chance at qualifying. That is wild to hear. I can't believe that. I didn't know that. That's mind-blowing. So I think it's somewhat fair because you get an advantage. You get an extra day to play to qualify, but ultimately only half of them will. Um, yeah, I didn't. I don't necessarily like that we're playing a qualifier after we just played a qualifier, right? Exactly. Like all so- year was a qualifier. And then now we're going to land at least like, I think everyone gets a minimum of $4,000 just for mm-hmm. qualifying for it. But the fact that like, we just played a whole year worth to figure out this lobby. I would have much rather just six day, six games, Saturday, six games, Sunday. Like that is the format that I like because I think the, the day two comebacks, the ability to take a break, VOD review, make adjustments, come back the next day is a lot of fun. Um, it's also better for people like myself that analyze the game. So on day two, mm-hmm. you kind of have a better idea because just watching Fortnite live, you can't really explain a ton of things going on because you can only watch so much at once versus take some time, come back next day, ready to talk about stuff intelligently, explain to the audience. Uh, nonetheless, it is what it is. Um we don't really get a say in the format. I think you've realized yeah. that over your career, no matter what you say, it doesn't really matter. Um, yep. 
do you have kind of any expectations for teams you think will will win it teams you think can win it um i don't know obviously i'm rooting for na i'll always root for na no matter what there's always going to be a rivalry between regions it'll always be there luckily so i'm hoping buga does well um i think acorn and cold are going to do really good but there's also some like doubts on my end with them too just because they split for a little bit so you never know how the chemistry's been but they've been playing well i still watch comp so i know they've been doing good um i don't know i think queasy and vino are always going to do well malabuka is probably the best land player now i would say um so he's going to be doing well and tom malabuka's playing with thomas yeah so yeah they're gonna be a very good duo I think it's just going to be some top NA versus top EU. Just a couple, like, top five, top ten out of them, too. And I think that's going to be pretty much majority of the leaderboard. But uh, one-day final, six games, you said? Six games. Like, why? (laughs) How is your online tournament qualifier 12, but your finals is six? At At least make it eight. At least make it eight. At least do like a dream hack style. But twelve is so much better and you need a day two. That's wild to hear. Yeah, uh I would tend to agree with you, and I'm always for more Fortnite than less. So like more games the better. Um just kind of speaking to some players, it seems like the one day format is kind of relieving. Because then you don't have to like stress overnight. And I don't know if you were a player that would stress day one to day two and not sleep as well as you should have when you're going into day two. Um, So maybe there is somewhat of that relief. But at the same time, given the lack of legitimate practice, it's also going to be who comes in understanding the game plan. And there, there's not really going to be adjustments. Like you don't have time to go in and watch the vods unless you die right off the rip. Then you're just watching somebody. And you're like, okay, yeah, that that might work. Um, like there's just whatever you come in prepared with is what's going to show on paper. I do like that because it's going to help the teams that prepare. But ultimately, like you know, you get landed on when you don't expect to get landed on, then your your tournament's over. So It's also just one small mistake and your tournament's over. Because if it's six games and you lose one game, like, that's a huge, huge portion of your points. Like, any small mistake, it's going to be, like, it's going to be nerves also. If you're, if you're not resetting a wall or if you're dying through a wall, if you're trading surge and make a mistake, like, your tournament could be ruined just by one game. Yeah. So... There will be teams that play a perfect tournament, but ultimately, if you play a perfect tournament, well, close to perfect, I, I guess it's hard to play perfectly in Fortnite, but yeah. um, they deserve to win it if you play that well. So yeah, there's going to be someone that sets that bar and we'll see who it is. It'll be really interesting. Uh, I think I know you said it'll probably be NA and EU. I would agree mostly. I think there will be like one Brazilian team. I think an Asia team will will pop in there as well. Um, fortunately for Middle East and OCE, I don't really see that happening. From what mm. I've seen, those regions 
even during FNCS don't even get the practice that they need in order to be able to feel out a lobby that they're going to play in. So it, I would guess that they're overwhelmed when they jump into those things. Um, and then, yeah, I, Queasy Vino always have to be a favorite. Um, I feel scented has been one of those players that has played really well in like those big tournaments. Um, so I don't want to count him out, but I don't know like if polarized is the guy that he needs to be in order for them to succeed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say so. I also have an experience. Um, so scented will not perform on land because he, sh- he his hands were shaking on at DreamHack Anaheim, from what I was told. When Savage won his last game at DreamHack Anaheim, he keyed Scented, and Scented was apparently shaking. So <laughs> That's years but, uh, ago now, though. Oh, it still matters. It still matters. But no, they've been playing good. Um, if they're on con, they should do good. Scented's a very good finals player. Um, but, who's uh, the best player you ever played with? The best player I ever played with? I would say Booga. I think it's pretty easy. I th- it's also certain things. I think every player I've played with has had different strengths. Like every, I can remember every little thing that like made a certain player the best at what they were best at. Like Commandment was by far the best Tarper I've played with. Bugo was definitely the best teammate I've played with. Clicks was the best fighter I've played with. Um, Demo was the best sniper I played with. Illus was the best controller player I've played with. Like, everybody's got different things. I think the best overall was probably Booga. He probably gave me the most input and was probably the closest teammate I've ever had to co-IGLing with me. And he was someone who actually gave me very good input. And he directed us a lot during endgames and took over a role that I didn't have to do, which helped me a lot to do other things. Um... But yeah, playing with Buga was so easy because he would worry about the tarps. If we had to follow tarps, stuff like that, he would lead the way endgame most of the time. And I could worry about where we need to go and if height was an option or if we needed to go low or something. So yeah, I'd say Buga. And But Clicks pulled off Unreal shit all the time. Like it was yeah. Unreal watching him play. Kid still does it, which is a lot of fun. I know. Crazy. He doesn't, even, he doesn't warm up. The craziest thing about clicks is he doesn't warm up. It, it blows my mind. I played with him for years. Like he, he'll get on and be like, "All right, you're, you're Tim PG." I'm just like, "Bro, it's ten minutes till the tournament," and then he just gets on, takes him like two rounds to warm up, and then he just starts shitting on me. And it, <laughs> I don't understand. He, he never does edit courses. He plays zone wars here and there, but he just has a natural gift for the game. He's crazy. Yeah, some people are just special like that. Um, yeah. Now, playing with those two, that was a weird moment for you because you got a ton of shade from the community. Is that something that bothered you at the moment when it happened? At the moment, not really. It kind of bothered me that FNCS finals because of that whole friend group that just hated on me for no reason. Like I get, I threw a fight off spawn, but like, whatever it's off it's an off spawn fight like i made a mistake it's whatever but um i don't know it was fun playing with them obviously we there was a lot of joking with all the streaming that was being involved that's part of the reason that i knew that after that season we were going to split like i just couldn't do that forever 
Like, I don't think anybody can do that forever. Like, we had our moments where, you know, we knew how to win games. We were good players. But, like, all the jokes every single day for the months on end is eventually going to lead to something bad. But, um, yeah. It just led into us not putting time into VOD reviewing and focusing on off-spawn stuff because we were so confident in our spot. And then not calling for finals is obviously, like, the point where it's like, yep, we're done. Time to find something else. Yeah, that makes but, sense. I, yeah. I think very few people have been able to play with someone as big as Clicks. Like we saw Scented try it, and then was like, nah. And you know, unfortunately for Clicks, his brand has become massive to where there is no reason he shouldn't stream events. But also mm-hmm. at the same time, like the, most people cannot handle the amount of nonsense that comes through and i think yeah. regardless of what you tell yourself you'll pull up clicks chat every once in a while and it's not easy to take a bunch of shit talk from a ra- bunch of random people on the internet um, yeah and i mean we've seen it happen with almost everyone that he's played with so it's unfortunate for him because he's a great player uh it's also kind of the circumstance that he's created as well and you were just the the target at the time um and yeah i was a target when i'm playing with booga also and like the two like highest viewing competitive streamers at the time is probably them too yeah but then like that it's also not the reason like we left like we split because we did bad in fncs if we do bad in fncs we're bad in term we're gonna split like the reason we are we split was not because I couldn't handle the stuff that was being said in their chats and online. Like I went trending on Twitter twice for hate. Like I really didn't care about it at the time. <laughs> like we split because we didn't do good at the end of the day. We split because we didn't, we got way too confident with our spot. Didn't put time in anymore. And obviously it leads to bad results. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and then you had those hungry up and comers that probably put in that time that you guys weren't. Um, and we're willing to uh, put in the extra hours and went off spawn. So it happens. And then going on past that, where like you kind of seem to just cruise and not necessarily reach the peaks that you used to. Was that something that was difficult for you as like it got harder and harder to compete versus like you were on top of the world regularly beforehand i don't think placing bad influenced my like willingness to play the game at all i still had the drive i still wanted to play i think from that point on is really when it started getting harder for myself to find teammates um that i really wanted to play with i think from that point there is a reputation where people didn't want to play with me um and i get it it's whatever but i knew i I was still like a lot smarter than anybody pretty much who played that game and i was still putting in all the time but from that point on it's definitely hard to find teammates and obviously if you're not playing with better teammates you're going to be doing worse so yeah i think that's unfortunate because you're not the only player that's happened to is like there gets this narrative built in people's heads about what a player is and it it seems that you know once you can't find a teammate for one season then you can't seem to then find a teammate f- 
from here on out. Um, and, and I hate that because we've seen like yourself and other players kind of be hindered throughout the rest of their career because they've had one bad season that just happened to be in the spotlight versus like there's tons of people that have bad seasons after bad seasons after bad seasons after bad seasons and then still find teammates placing at the bottom of the leaderboard. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I think it's kind of just like the the childish narratives that get created and people don't allow themselves to pick teammates for themselves. They pick teammates based on, you know, what their friends say is a good teammate. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. So. Everyone wants like the best fighter nowadays. It's like oh, I need a I need a cracked fighter as my duo. I'm looking for duo, <laughs> and it's just all they do. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate. But it's whatever. Yeah, it's the game that we play in, and yeah. going to duos makes it much more like solo clutch based versus playing as a duo. It seems like um. Not that there can't be duos that play well together. There definitely can be, but it seems like much more duos are trending towards two players that play well as a solo versus two players that play well together, um, which is kind of unfortunate, especially in NA, which I feel like there's this rift, and you may not like this because I know you're a big NA fan, but it seems like the EU teams, at least at the top, and generally have this like format that they like to play and execute on versus it's almost seems like NA teams just kind of play the game and let whatever happens happens. Is that something you've recognized or do you feel differently? Yeah, I feel, I think there's a certain, there's a couple teams that, you know, have a strict play style. Like I think it's less, what am I trying to say? Like, back in the day, let's say trios. You know how Scented was known for playing low ground? Yeah. Like, stuff like that? I feel like that's so less common nowadays with height or low ground. I think it's kind of like the game's changed to a point in NA to where, like, you don't need to do one or the other. It's kind of you need to know how to do both. And you kind of just let the game figure out how it goes. If you have height, you play it. If you have a good zone, you play it. If you don't, you figure out you know how to play low ground and mid ground, and you're just always changing layers. But there's there's definitely less teams on NA playing like high ground all the time than there is EU. Like the Queasy and Vino high ground, like they're always gonna play for that. Like that's their spot. Like it's definitely less than NA. So I know what you mean. Yeah, I think um, there's also been this adaptability that NA is played, like you kind of mentioned that you'll just play the hand you're dealt, which could be beneficial, but it also could hinder you if you're not trying to look for, here's what I need, here's what I need to go for. So I'm interested to see those two kind of clash when we get to globals, mm -hmm. um, because we know that, you know, Queasy Vino, they're not going to be shy about. It. They're going to go for high ground six games, I'd say at least four. And yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Um, you were also one of like the, I guess the reasons that people stopped playing height. Like you would go for height all the time, and Macwood yeah. was a height player. I'm trying to think who else. Zate was a height player. Oh yeah, that's um, a long time ago. But you would you've still been going for height whenever you had the opportunity to. All the time, like that's like 
for reasons like I've won so many games in like finals lobbies and stuff. It's just learning certain plays on height. Like I think like what should we call? It? There's been so many strats just developed around high ground, whether it's flanking height, chopping height, cranking up right away, like getting the first zones, building up as quick as you can. There's been so many strats about height and everything. And everyone's learned that. And it's like it's crazy how it's changed into that today, where it's kind of like nowadays like when i watch like queasy when they when they won that fncs winning like four four six games out of 12 right i think it was six so they won six games watching those games it's kind of like they're not doing any crazy things they just have a mindset where it's like all right we're gonna look for height and see if we can get it if we can get it we can if we can't we can't and every single time they looked for it they got it pretty it was kind of crazy so it's just props on them for having their play style work out the way they wanted to. And I feel like less teams are doing that nowadays, especially with low ground. I feel like teams aren't playing low ground the way like Scented used to play it. I feel like there's no low ground dominators like how he had it back in the day. I think it's the meta though. Like you had the uh, yeah, thing, I agree. We just had hammers, which were absolutely disgusting for low ground. Then we had katanas, which you couldn't play low ground because if you were going to then you couldn't use your katana. And now we have these rocket rams where it's like the low ground team just going to get destroyed by mm -hmm. every single rocket or C4 if people still use those. So I think it's more like circumstance why we haven't seen a dominant low ground team. Um, and also, I so this is one of my moments where I was like, this guy understands the game better than anybody. And it was when you were playing with Booga and Clicks. And I think you sent clicks to the front side of zone and then you and Booga cranked up the backside. And that was like one of the first few times where I'd seen that like perfectly executed because the team on height is just staring at the guy trying to crank front side. We know it's like one of the craziest mechanical players in the game. So then you two just walk up the back and it's like a perfect high ground take. Um, but that was like one of those moments where I'm like, dude, this guy's still figuring these things out where nobody is trying to innovate in the space versus like, okay, I'll just shoot at high ground. If they fall, then I'll take it. Whereas like now a lot of teams will go front side of zone, crank up and then try and take it that way. Also zones have fully changed. So that kind of changes yeah. things. But how, how much time did you put in like thinking about different plays for height or was that kind of just a spur of the moment thing i don't know if you remember that but I, oh I of course do. i remember yeah I, I remember pretty much everything it's kind of like throughout my career i can remember pretty much every game if it was a big game like if it was a lan or something i can remember it it's like how i can remember like certain like golf shots i had on a certain day like i, I can remember every hole i played on a certain day like i can remember every tournament i played so i, I know exactly what you're talking about like our strat was so in trios if it was me and Booga, um, so. It was either, I think it was me. So what I would do as a solo is I would tarp all the way to front zone, full tarp, not a stair tarp, but a stair in the front as like, as so height can see a stair coming up in front. Because if height sees a stair, they'd be like, focus second high, and everyone's going to be looking right there. So if everyone's looking right there, and if clicks and Buga go up in the back, it's going to be free high ground. Because if they get height, we win the game. Even if they're a duo. Even if I die and the height team kills me, Boogan clicks get above them, they're holding height the rest of the game. They're going to win that game. Um, and I think it was, that just came in Vod review, that certain scenario. I think I just saw that. 
it was something we also did in duos too with me and clicks it was even better in duos because it was easier than trios because clicks was just so much better than everybody if you can get above two it was just game and then uh yeah that was that just came to vaudevere and i just saw that and then there, there's also so many things like shockwaves when shockwaves were a thing it was crazy a crazy thing to tell but i had a dream one time where me and all my teammates shockwaved up together and i swear to god the next day i was like all right we need to try this and ever since that day people started doing that so we're like if you stand in like a, like if three people stand together like this you throw a shockwave in the middle everybody goes straight up together and after i did that everybody started doing that and i remember there was a clip of like snood and cloud doing it like we did the bizzle shockwave like we did it and they take height and win the game like it's just certain things that come to you. It's where like you need to remember them and be like, all right, let's try it and see if it works. And that'll always be a thing with how metas change and everything. Do you think that's hindered because players don't practice as much? Like I, I'm a firm believer that because we we don't have the quality practice, at least in NA, um, that there used to be, that it kind of like holds back the I don't want to say skill level, but like overall knowledge of players and breaking of metas, because I feel like back in the day when you guys were running scrims all the time, you would see some wild shit pulled out that it's like, okay, I would have never expected that. And now I just don't feel like players play enough to be able to rip those out of a bag when they need them. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the practice. I think maybe it's lack of like individualism. I think more the time nowadays, people are trying to, you know, you see Rise and Yamzo, Acorn and Cold, Kanata doing good in cash cups. You watch them and be like, all right, how can I mimic their play style the best way I possibly can? And how can I do what they do? It's not about what can we do differently to win the game. Like watching like Kanata and Agers, like, their whole strat and like also Yamzo too. It's like not fight in like the first couple moving zones. It's kind of just don't be front zone, don't be back zone. Make sure you're moving together, sprinting together, trying to save as many mats as you can, and try not to fight for as long as you can. And I think it's also just everyone's just trying to copy that. Everyone's trying to mimic people nowadays and not worry about being themselves or trying to make a game plan that's going to benefit them and take advantage of other people's play styles. That's interesting. I, I would have never thought of that, but like thinking through games, I, I wouldn't disagree with that like yeah. synopsis of it. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. I'll, just to wrap up here, w what do you want to do next? Like say you could do anything you want in the world. Like what would you want to be doing in the next five years, 10 years of your life? Ah, uh, next five years, ten years. Like that's hard to think about because, like, I'm 25. Like, cause then you you asked that question, I was like, "Am I gonna have kids one day?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, there's so much to consider. Um, right now I'm chilling. Like, I know I wanna. I know I'm not done competing, and I know I'm still always gonna play competitive video games. But I know I'm gonna wanna try to play something competitively and truly give it my all before you know. I hit that 3-0. Like I need to start. I need to figure that out soon. So if there's a time for me to transition, now's the time. Um, 
so I'm just gaming a lot. I'm still gaming all the time, taking care of my dog, and just living life. I'm just trying to have a good time. And eventually, I do want to get into streaming. I want to really focus on my stream. It's something I've never done in my career ever. Um, like throughout the six years I've played, like I used to get so many viewers. The highest sub count I ever had was like 200. I never stream more than like a week out of a month. Like it's something I need to like truly want to do. And I know I do. It's just something I need to like put my head down. And once I figure out what I want to play, do that because after being in the scene for so many years, you do learn that content creation is the real way to make yourself financially stable in the long run. Because even if you win an FNCS, if you win $100,000, that money, most, some of it's going to be gone. That money's going to be gone within a year or two. Like once you learn how the, wor the world works, like one tournament win isn't going to make you rich. You're not going to be able to live off that. You're not going to be able to live off a million dollars of earnings. Like you need to figure out where that money's going to go and what you can do with it and how to keep making money and live your life. Try to be happy. That's all. Respect that. That last part is key. Try and be happy. That's yeah. That's all, all that really matters at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. Also, as someone as experienced as you, uh, young kids always ask, like, what advice would you give them? So, you know, say I, I'm like a, a young up and coming player, regardless of the game, you, you can speak specifically to Fortnite or just general com competition. Like, what advice would you give to a young player? I think I've said this before, and I truly think it's the best thing possible, which nobody says, and I find that weird. I think the best thing you can do if you want to go pro or get better at any game is to have a friend group of like-minded individuals that want to do the same thing. If you're playing with people that want to get better and they want to play all the time and they're the ones saying, like, one more game, come on, just play one more. Like, if they're wanting you to play, that's only going to help you. And if you're a competitive person, which you should be if you want to do well in that scene, you need to want to be better than those people you play against. And you want to always be trying to find better competition. So playing, like, the top ranked leagues, playing whatever scrims you can. Um, and just really trying to put everything you can into it. That's really all. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Very much enjoyed this conversation and I uh, wish you nothing but the best in whatever the heck that you choose to do next. Hopefully I get to root for you, whether it be a comeback in Fortnite or some other game that I get to see you <laughs> up there. That, that would be a lot of fun. So thank you. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you. So you guys can find me on Twitter. My ad is aimbizzle. Uh, my Twitch is just bizzle. So if anything, I'll probably be doing stuff there. But um. Yeah, that's really all. Thank you for having me. I've had a great time talking. About, reminiscing about the Fortnite days. It's been a good time. I haven't yeah. talked about it in a while. I'm glad. I'm glad. I always love talking to people. It's just a, a great conversation to learn from people that have done it and, you know, kind of see what was going on because not everyone has those insights. Not a lot of Fortnite players like to speak about what happened. So very much appreciate you sharing, being transparent, just walking through some different times of your career your life and hope uh hope it continues to to see some success man so thank you thank you so much i appreciate it uh thank you to everyone listening at home if you could uh leave a comment leave a reply wherever you watch 
Uh, also, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, please leave a review. It helps a ton. Uh, thank you very much. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, at somebody's gone on Twitter, you can complain to me about whatever. I don't really care. I may or may not answer. Uh, we'll see you guys <laughs> next time. So, peace.